We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, it is mailbag time, and let's 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 have some fun here today with the mailbag. But uh, we're going to start off with a couple super chats. We have one from Rob Osgood. Rob says, "Guys, thank you for what you do." Rob, thank you for yeah. what you do. The fact that you're here every day, be greatly appreciated, and uh, you're welcome. And we'll continue to try to to keep doing what we do, Ryan. Sir, Kirk D A Anderson Fitness says, "I rarely catch you guys live since I'm busy working. Keep up the great work. We will do that, Kirk. Thank you for your support, buddy. We really appreciate it." Uh, thank you for your super chat. Obviously, uh, here's something that people uh, may not know, but we actually are now eligible for something called a thanks, a super thanks. So if you're listening to this show right now and you've wanted to support us financially by giving us money through a super chat, super that type of situation, there's a super thanks that you can give. Um, I would say that there's there's better ways to do it. But if that's the avenue you want to go forward, that we would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, but Kirk, list, watching our show, even if it's not live, if you go back and watch our shows later, we still get ad revenue from that. So that's a, that's absolutely uh, encouraged. And one of the things that I'll do in the message board post that I make is kind of rank what are the best, like, like you know, kind of go through it and rank. So people have asked, you know, is it better to watch the show? If I ha- didn't see the show live, is it better to watch it on YouTube or other platforms? I'll answer that question. Uh, because one platform pays a lot better than than another, and we'll dive into that there as well. But Kirk, I really appreciate it, man. Especially for the people that can't watch live and, and uh, still support us, we we greatly appreciate that. Um, I'm just going to throw this up because it is a uh, super chat. Jerry Terry Jewelry says, Brian and Ryan, how many reps at 225 can you hit um, right now? I'm asking me right now. I don't care. I have no Two. Idea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably do. I, I think the best I could probably do is like seven or eights in my like heyday, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe yeah. Two. Most I ever did was like twelve. I was a quarterback man. I didn't care about benching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, uh, Jordan Schreiber says, "How was Father's Day, Ryan? Did you get a nice meal prepared for you?" I did, Jordan. We actually went to my in-laws last night, and they smoked some steak, some sirloin steak. They smoked some chicken. I had some mac and cheese, which was absolutely fantastic. Had some potatoes. So, yeah, man, I was eating like a king last night, which was very nice. Very, very nice. Got to love that. Got to love that. 
Um, smoke steak. It's a life yeah. changer, man. We so, we kind of hung out a little bit last night. Uh, you know, I'm not a father, so we didn't really have a Father's Day deal. But I did make something on Saturday, and I and I made two of them. One I had on Saturday, one I had last night. But uh, I made a stuffed chick, I, uh, chicken breast, and I stuffed it with uh, mushrooms and, and mozzarella. It was really, really good. I enjoyed that very much. So part of my uh, clean eating, a little cleaner eating than I than I have in the past. So pray for me, everybody. I uh, am on a no more fast food meal plan, and it's uh, nice. it's painful with with how busy my schedule is. Sometimes it's just really easy to just be able to quickly go online, order something, and have it delivered. But uh, yes. not doing that anymore. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be tough. Gonna be tough. But uh, times are tough working from home, yeah. man. Times are tough. <laughs> yep. And little ones doing okay, Ryan. Obviously, yes. uh, okay. Yeah. Good. She's doing good. all right at the moment. Very, very good. So, yeah. Got the both both the girls are home today because my daughter's oh. daycare is off from for Juneteenth. So, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Now that explains why you are yes at the other the, the second com the second office. The oh second yes. Office. You, if, unless you wanted Juliet and Raina to be on in the background. No, no, we're good. Show. This is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, We've got a question from Inside the Horseshoe Podcast. Hey, guys, I was just curious if you had heard anything about how Gearby Lambert's visit at Ohio State went. Hopefully Notre Dame still leads. Uh, we, We talked about this earlier in the show, and... Visit went well. I mean, it was a good visit. You're, you, I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone going to Ohio State not enjoying themselves at Ohio State, right? I mean, sure. it's a fun campus. Uh, what we have said coming out of it, Ryan, is that we still feel Notre Dame is in the the best position as of right now to to land yeah. him. So, agree. Here's one, Ryan, from Irish Blooded. Happened to rewatch the thirty for thirty Catholics versus convicts this weekend, which is great, by the way. Um, what is a 30 for 30 for Notre Dame you would like to see done for an event in your lifetime? That's, that's funny. Irish blooded. I actually watched the Catholics versus convicts again this weekend because it was on. So yeah, a, a event that happened. Could be an event, life. a season, uh, something. Yeah. Something like that, man. I, if, 
I, a lot of them are painful, which is not good. Um, I was thinking the Bush push, and I was thinking 2012. Like, that's both yeah. kind of painful, though. That but USC maybe, game would be painful, yeah. but that would be a great 30 for 30. It would be it great would. 30 for 30. Yeah. Well, I would love to see a 30 for 30 on the Notre Dame-USC rivalry, just in general. Like, Because here's why. Uh, rivalries that are intriguing, Ryan, are ones that, to me, have an interesting backstory on why they became the type of rivalry they became. And the Notre Dame-USC rivalry is so unique because it's not – Ohio State and Michigan, they border each other. It's in-state schools like Carolina and Duke. Those are easy, right? This one is like, how is a team from South Bend, Indiana, (laughs) rivals with a team from Los Angeles? And I think the story is great. I think all the lead-up to it about how, you know, during that time when a lot of schools were not willing to play Notre Dame, I think it was Howard Jones, I think was the coach at USC at the time, was like, hey, we'll play you. And how USC – I mean, USC's – as long as I – have been a college football fan and studying their history, they've never been a team afraid to go anywhere and play anybody. And I've always respected, even during Pete's tenure, I mean, they played Auburn and Virginia Tech and, and some very good schools. And of course, they always have Notre Dame on their schedule. I think that would be a fascinating story. I think the 30 for 30 for the 88 team would be a fascinating one because there were some great storylines, some great characters on those teams, you know, and, and, and uh, you've got the rocket and, the Tony Rice angle, which we've seen talked about in, in some of the shows and different things like that. I think that 88 team being discussed would be a really fascinating one. That would be a good 30 for 30. I, I hope that there's a 30 for 30 someday on the rise of Notre Dame football under Marcus Freeman. I know, right? That one is to yeah. be written. That is yeah. to be written. Well, and then the other one too, Ryan, is I think the um, it would be a very – and I don't think ESPN would ever have the stones to do it but it would be a very interesting story about the Notre Dame and the big 10 about why Notre Dame never joined the big 10 because everybody, most big 10 fans think that Notre Dame, you think you're too good for the big 10 and blah, blah. No, that's not the history. Notre (laughs) Dame tried for 40 years to get into the big 10 and why the big 10 kept saying no and do that backstory. And then, then why has Notre Dame been the ones to say no recently? Yeah. And so I think that and, and then how the Big Ten keeping Notre Dame out is what forced Notre Dame to become the national program that they became. So I think that would be a fascinating 30 for 30 and a very eye opening one for a lot of people. There's a huge misunderstanding that people that aren't Notre Dame fans have about why Notre Dame is independent, has remained independent and has been so anti going to the Big Ten. There's a yep. huge misconception about why that is. And and amongst some Notre Dame fans, especially younger Notre Dame fans, especially amongst Notre Dame, younger Notre Dame fans, right, where they don't understand why. Because there's a lot of fans, you, yourself included, you don't know a time when Notre Dame wasn't part of a TV contract. I believe it's been that case your whole life. Yeah. I think this t- they signed the deal like 91, 92, and you were born 91. 91. So your entire life, it's, oh, yeah, you, you got your TV deal. Well. Older folks, even older than me, understand like, no, this is the Notre Dame had to earn that right. And here's how it went down. I think that would be a fascinating 30 for 30. Fascinating 30 for 30. That would be great. I I like Ed's idea in the chat, by the way, of a 30 for 30. What did he say? I didn't see that one. I like to see a 30 for 30 on Brian Kelly's best chip shots on the golf course. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Hard pass. Uh, Hard pass on that one. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, those are, those are things, Ryan, that, uh, would, would be, I think, interesting storylines, but I, I do like your, your, uh, yours, um, push, push, 
Yeah. Yep. No, I mean, the, they've uh, got, they've got, they've Mar- got, the one that, uh, that hasn't Marshman. happened yet. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I feel like they're probably, I mean, they've done so many specials on like the, Ma- the Manti Teo situation yeah. and everything, but it would be kind of yeah. cool to see the 2012 season yeah. in general and maybe just leave out the Alabama game. But <laughs> I will, I will say this. I will make yeah. this guarantee. If Notre Dame wins a national championship under Marcus Freeman, there will absolutely be some sort of big story on it because his story is bad. His is interesting. Notre Dame's rise to that level again, but you know that there still has never been a black head coach to win a national championship in college football. It's wild, man. We've seen it now division one. There's been, you know, like Eddie Robinson has some at his level and there's been some at smaller schools, I believe, but not like division one football. There's never been a black head coach to win a championship. It's crazy. And that'd be, I mean, that'd be a huge storyline. You, it rightfully so. So, uh, and would kick down a lot of barriers. So I think that would, that would make it, if they did win under him, that would, that angle, there's so many different angles to what that story would mean. Notre Dame hasn't won a title in 30 some years. There's that storyline in it. And that to me is what makes a great story. It's not just about the game or the, this it's the backstory that led into it. Like for example, part of what made that 26, that 2006 Michigan Ohio state game, a story to last a lifetime was not just one verse two, not just being a great game. It was the fact that Bo Schembechler died the week before that happened. You know, that added to the whole thing, the whole mystique of the game. Uh, you know, the Notre Dame Miami game, the mystique of that and, and you know, the, the rivalry, but also the backstory about why that game mattered, why the U rivalry with Notre Dame mattered. So I think that to me and the the storylines on a Notre Dame team that won a championship would be fascinating. And there's so many different angles that could go with that, Ryan. So I think that you are correct in that regard. Like, let's say they won it this year. There's the Ham, Sam Hartman angle. There's the Marcus Freeman angle. There's Notre Dame hasn't won in 30 plus years. All those different type of things are very fascinating. And, and I'll say this because I think today is an appropriate day to say this. I would love to see somebody do a story on father, a 30 for 30 on father Ted. I think that'd be a very fascinating. Well, it doesn't have to be a thirty for thirty, but at least something very interesting because of yeah. because of not just his role in helping Notre Dame rise as an athletic program, but also his role in the civil rights movement was very, very um, deep and thorough. And you go back to Notre Dame, like the when the KKK came to town, and the student athletes and the student body, excuse me, went and said, "Nah, not not here. <laughs> this ain't happening here." And uh, had that big brawl. So there'd be so many great story, potential storylines. I wish they would do more stuff like that. I wish Notre Dame would do more stuff like that. Like, that's the thing is, the way it is now, Ryan, why can't you put that out? Right. Like, that would be pretty cool. I'd be I'd be a big fan of that. That'd be awesome. It'd be would very be. awesome. All right. Let's get down here and uh, some more questions, Ryan. So uh, I, I like that one. I was splitted. I like that one. Got John, John 88. If you, you guys are freaking awesome. Thank you, John, John. We all appreciate each and every one of you that put in the effort day in and day out to give us the latest with learning football. Cannot thank you all enough. Well, I appreciate it. And here's how you can thank us. Just keep showing up, buddy. and Keep being a part of what we're doing. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, really appreciate that very much. We've got one here from Domer Grizz. How often do unknown players take big leaps in senior year of high school? Does Notre Dame keep any spots open for new under-the-radar recruits to pop up, or do they have to fill up early for some reason? I feel like the first to the first question, Domer Grizz, I feel like it happens almost every year that we at least get one kid that's like, I didn't really know who that kid was. And then all of a sudden he's a stud. I mean, Brandon Hellman's the easy one, obviously, for Notre Dame fans last year, where, I mean, he was a quarterback recruit that had a scholarship offer from 
Moorhead State, and that was kind of it at that point, right? And and kind of figuring it out and opening up his opportunity to play different positions, and then he blows up obviously into a top one hundred and fifty type of caliber recruit. So I think it happens more often than people even realize sometimes is fine guys to that's why the evaluation period in the season exists it's like oh i didn't know who that kid was and now i need to know who that kid is because there's always there's also always great stories of like this kid only played one year of high school football he played two years of high school football and he really was a late bloomer and and a lot of great conversations there a lot of great stories so i think it happens pretty often does Notre Dame keep any spots open for a new under the radar recruits to pop up or do they have to fill up early for some reason? Notre Dame, I think for me, Brian, like right now we're sitting, cause I'm just going to talk about 2024. We're sitting today with 19 commits in the class for Notre Dame. You feel good about where you are with Bronte Johnson to Bron Petty Powell. You feel good about that. So, I mean, before you blink, you could be up to 20, 20 uh, 21 rec- uh, commits in the class, which means that there's only four or five spots that are probably left in the class. So you always want to try to, I think, have something open just in case, Domer. But, like, if Notre Dame is comfortable with the board, like, you know, that that's a guy. Like, I'm not going to pass on him just to keep a spot open. I think it really just changes year in and year out as far as, like, how anxious you are to keep a spot open just in case. Because sometimes the board you're happy about. Sometimes the board has to expand. Sometimes you're done recruiting pretty early in a cycle. And it's just about holding on to your guys. So I think I really, the question really is dependent upon the year. I think that that can really change year to year in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely changes year to year, Ryan. And it, and a lot of different things factor into it. Uh, but I think, as you said, look, if a kid really breaks out and he's good enough, you make room for him. And today, today's era with the portal and all the different things, you make room for him. But I think that this is just what where Notre Dame is, is they're just, they want to load up as early as they can. You just got to make sure you're doing it the right way. And I think they're t- so far they've, they've done it the right way. And here's kind of a, a, a question that goes along with it. Ryan, he says, do you think Notre Dame will be 95% finished with recruiting commitments before the season starts? Seems like Beasley and Scott are the only ones that might stretch out past the summer. I'd say that's accurate. I think it's pretty now accurate. what I would say is what Notre Dame should do is if there's some kids that you view out there that are true difference makers, stay on them. Keep recruiting. Yeah. 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 Stay on them. There's no reason not to stay on them. And, uh, you know, but also get a fast start on 25. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is if and I'm talking like two or three kids, like let's say Elijah rushing picks Oregon and you still want that kid stay on them. Right. I mean, there's no reason to stop recruiting. What's what's the worst thing you can do is say no. But I guarantee you, I can guarantee with 100 percent certainty, Ryan. Right. And you can't do that off in this business. I guarantee you with 100 percent certainty that if you stop recruiting Elijah rushing, he's definitely not going to come Notre Dame. I know I'm going on a limb here. You know what I mean? But. Uh, I, there, so there's a couple guys like that, Ryan. There might be an offensive lineman, maybe, maybe, I, but I don't yeah. even know who that would be. Uh, you know, secondary, you know, guys like that. There's a couple spots where I'd say, hey, I'd still stay on those guys. But there's honestly not a lot of those in the 24 class. I mean, there's not a receiver that, to me that I would say, hey, stay on that guy. You're not going to get Jeremiah Smith. That's about the yeah. only one that I could look at and say, hey, maybe you should stay on that guy. Um, I mean, if they, if Ryan Wingo wants to be interested, great. I think Ryan Wingo is very talented. His junior year didn't blow me away. It it didn't. I think he's very talented. But I think the kids they have are very talented, to be honest with you. So I I, I would mainly say a couple guys here and there, but focus on yeah. 25 because it's such a great class. It's such yep. a great class. 
couple a couple other quick questions kind of uh that, that i see down here ryan that i wanted that i wanted to point out real quick uh that i didn't even think about this one tired of the negativity says 30 for 30 on the importance and history of why navy's on the schedule and should be until they won out that is a gr- that'd be a great one the navy that because i like 30 for 30s that teach me something right and and, and even fans that understand it, that or at least that know why they still play Navy, I think actually seeing it documented would be very meaningful to people, especially younger people that just didn't experience the way that it did. So I think that'd be a very fascinating one. I, I like yep. that one a, That's a lot. Indy Cheat Sheet asks, uh, how did you guys feel about a season with Notre Dame football on Showtime during the 15th season? I, I didn't see it. I didn't watch it. I only watched it. This is going to sound bad. I only watched the episodes where people told me I was in it. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently like what they would do is they would have coaches like there'd be different scenes where they'd have somebody doing a show talking about it. And there was a few times where like they had me talking about whatever they were discussing. And there was one time I think it was Todd light was driving into work and they were acting like he was listening to my show. You know what I mean? Cause they were playing like clips from our, my show. That was pretty cool. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really watch it. But I, I thought it was a. I thought overall it was a, it was a cool thing because it was an interesting season. The kids seemed to to like it. Uh, it's not something that I would ever say, "Hey, let's do this again." Uh, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm. Is that even still a thing? Do they even still I have do no that? Idea. No yeah, idea. I have no I idea. I never watched it. Do that. So. No, I mean, like, do you know if if they're still doing that with other teams or not? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, I, I've never watched the series, so I have no yeah. idea if it's even a thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Not sure about that one. Let's get to some more questions here, Ryan. Uh, we've got one down here from John A1. This is a good one. I'll read this one. This is good for you. I'm curious to get your opinion on this, Ryan. Okay. What's the difference in the two-year grade at safety, assuming Tay Johnson commits to Notre Dame, with and without Malcolm Ziegler in the 2024 class? So how do you view the two-year grade if he, if they get him, and how do you view it if they miss him? And let's assume that they get Tay Johnson – and Tabron Benny Powell, because because we feel like they're in a position to do both of those. So what w- what would your answer to that be, Ryan? Man, I, I, John, it's t- tough for me to give an exact grade. Like I feel like I need to sit down and just kind of work through obviously both twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four and like get full thought process here. But it would be substantially better with Malcolm Ziegler. I mean, if you're asking me, because I think that the thing that you got in twenty twenty three with Ben Minnick and with Adon Schuler is you got some very high floor, good football players, right? Like I know that they're going to be good players. You miss the upside though a little bit. And I think that what you get, if you got Bronte Johnson and you got Malcolm Ziegler, you got two high ceiling type of talents, athletes in the 2024 class on top of having Kennedy or lack Robinson committed. So it would change it a little bit. It would change it a little bit for me because I think that for me, it's like it's more bullets in a holster, right? Like how many shots do I get at this target? If I have two really talented players, there's a decent chance that I'm going to get at least one really good football player out of the deal. If I only have one, then my margin for error becomes a little bit smaller, right? Like a little bit of a tougher spot. So I think that it changed it pretty drastically for me just because I think that those are two high caliber football players. I mean, for me, Brian, especially when I'm talking like upside grade, I think Bronte Johnson has five-star upside at safety. I do. I think he has that type. And I think Michael Ziegler is close. He's probably four and a half stars, yeah. but like it's close, man. You know, the only thing that keeps me from having him as a five-star is I'm still curious about how physical he's going to be. 
Is he just a run and cover guy? I'm look. First of all, I don't care if he wants to tackle. I, 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 just as a run and cover guy, he's worth taking in this class. So to me, that's a question mark. Ryan is is does that's what keeps him because like that's the thing we talked about with Bronte. Bronte's skinny. Like he's gonna have to put on weight and fill out and all that kind of stuff. But there is yeah. no questioning whether or not Bronte Johnson is willing to hit none yeah. on his film. None. Yeah. There is for me with Malcolm Ziegler, and that's what keeps him from being a five star for me. But yeah. if he comes out as a senior and all of a sudden he's a you know good at getting off the ball, and I'm not, I don't care if he comes up looking like Steve Atwater. That's not what we're talking about. It's a willingness to play to fit, be be involved in the physical part of the game. But even if he just comes up and shows that he's a good form tackler in space, that's all I need to see to say I think this kid's got five star upside because he's not, he has you mentioned earlier, right? Tall, long, fast, mm-hmm. easy movement skills. He's you know he he can flip his hips and turn and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, if he wanted to play corner, I'd still consider taking him at Notre Dame, knowing that, hey, as long as you're willing to be open to playing safety down the road, I, w- I would do that because he's primarily a corner in high school. So the tools are there. It's just it's that for me, the tackling ability is what keeps him from five stars. Is that kind of your big holdup too, Ryan, for keeping him from being a five star? Is there something else? I mean, that's mostly it. Like you just haven't seen, like you haven't seen that part of his game at all. Like a lot, great coverage ability. Like there's great coverage ability. I also think that the like if we're just comparing Ziggler to Tay Johnson a little bit as well, Bronte Johnson, I also think Bronte's just a little bit longer, right? Just a little bit more explosive. I think that Ziegler might actually be faster than Bronte in a straight line, but I think that Bronte is an immediate accelerator. Like I yeah. think he gets up to top speed very, very quickly. So it's just a little bit of a different cat in my opinion. But I just think it's the separator of like, yes, Ziegler is long. But Bronte is stupid long. Like that kid is like that. I mean, he looks like a wide receiver. His body type is like a wide receiver. So I think it's the physicality and just the consistency aspect that is holding Ziegler back a little bit. I think he could get there. I think he's got incredible upside. It's just there's some unknowns to his game, especially in the run game. Here's some intriguing big picture questions, Ryan, that that I'd like for you to address for people. Here's one from Ray Holcroft. He says, Ray says, uh, when you talk about closing on a recruit, something we've done a lot in this show. What exactly do you mean? Uh, do coaches use a step-by-step organized approach in closing on a recruit? If so, what are some of those steps? Let me just say one thing, big picture, and then you can get into the process, Ryan. When we're talking about closing in the show today, we're simply talking about the big picture aspect of it, which means, in the day, you get him. But there is a process, Ryan, and it varies from kid to kid, obviously. Yes. So get all those caveats out of the way. But specifically, Ryan, with some of these kids – that we're looking at what does that process look like when it's about closing on Kingston and closing on Malcolm and players like that. Yeah. It, it's it, like you said, it varies from one to the other. I mean, closing for a case of is continuing to stress the same thing consistently over and over. Keep asking, how are your parents doing? Keep talking to his parents, keep making them comfortable. Like that's the process of closing on Kingston is that even when Kingston has a break from the action, he's going to visit Ohio state this weekend. Still talk to him, man. Like still check in on him. See how he's doing. Make him know that he is a priority for you. Like that's what Kingston is. But then there's other guys like Charles Jagasaw in last cycle, right? It was like, well, I had to check on him, Charles maybe once a week. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that's just, it was his process. But whatever your pitch is, Make sure that they're getting it across to the kid consistently. I think that that's the biggest thing with recruiting is consistency. I don't want to see a guy talking to a player every single week and then all of a sudden he just goes three weeks without talking to the kid, right? right? Like I want to see consistency. And I think that's the big thing with Notre Dame especially 
is that the pitch isn't going to change. The 4 for 40, ability to play for championships, ability to be the best version of yourself as a person and as a student. But it's all about consistency. And so when I say closing on a player, Ray, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's down the yeah. home stretch and keep making this player feel like a priority. Don't change. Don't change. Just keep the consistency of making sure that they know that no matter what you yeah. decide, no matter when you decide it, you're a priority for them. You are and, a priority. And not doing it in like a, a douchey way. Abrasive way. Where, yeah. where, or like when the kid's on a visit, you're like text them negative things about Ohio State. Like, I don't like stuff. I don't like when people do that to Notre Dame, and I don't like when Notre Dame does it to them. But that doesn't mean you can, you know, stay on them, 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 stay on them. Um, uh, okay, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I you see that, that guy too, that man. I read that too. <laughs> okay. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> you can go somewhere else. Um, uh, I think the one guy that's the a bit of an exception to this, Ryan, is Malcolm Ziegler because I do think there's still a relationship building nature yep. to that one. That's a little like with Gearby, it's not a relationship. It's just hammering home the the priorities, hammering home the relationship, hammering home what makes you. Uh, in a situation that you know, in a good situation with with yeah. Malcolm, it's still you learned a lot about him this weekend and his family, and saying, okay, here's where we're behind. Yes. Let's focus on the areas where we're behind, and that's the point of emphasis. So uh, that's where the 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 but but by now, Ryan, it's like most of these kids when they're visiting in in July, they've this relationship is so deep that there's nothing new you're going to tell them. Yep. And uh, it just makes for an interesting uh, makes for an interesting recruitment. I got a super chat from Jim DeMatteis. Thank you, Jim, very very much. Are you guys able to go to Ireland Notre Dame Navy game? Are we able? Yes, we're able. Well, I am, Ryan. I don't know with your baby if you'd be able, but we're able. I mean, you have a you can get a passport if you don't have one. We're not going to go. Uh, and honestly, a lot of it has to do with just the fact that it's being game one. The opening week of the season for me is incredibly busy on shows. I do a speaking engagements, all that type of stuff. And honestly, not only would it cost a lot of money to go there, which we can afford, it would we would then lose money. I don't know if I'd be able to do shows and all that kind of stuff uh, and, and some other things that, that kind of factor in. So I just I made this. And then, of course, the the travel back, we then would miss opportunities there, too. So my wife wasn't happy about it because she's my photographer. So if I went, she would go uh, to that game. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to make that up to her, but uh, no, we're not going to be going to that one. And I wanted to go, I'm, I'm, you know, my name is Irish and all that kind of stuff. And I've always wanted to kind of go to Ireland, but it just, if I'm going to go and spend that kind of money, I want to go when I can actually sightsee and do all that kind of stuff. And and it just wouldn't be possible with that being yeah. week one, but uh, for all those going, enjoy, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm jealous, but I uh, would, would be a lot of fun. would yes. be a lot of fun. Well, I, I just, I just think having a, uh, she'll be almost three at that point, a yeah. three-year-old and a less than one-year-old on a plane for X amount of hours yeah. probably isn't too much fun. So. Nor would it be a lot of fun for your wife to be sitting here with those babies and you yes. be over in Ireland having a good time. So exactly. Um, exactly. But I'm able, Ryan might not be able, I'm able just not, um, just not going to do it this year. Yep. All right. Let's get to some more here. Here's one from Jordan Schreiber. It says, what's your ranking range on Owen Strebig? And I like how he, Jordan gets us. He <laughs> understands our ranking process. 
Good stuff, Jordan. He says, what's your ranking range on Owen Strebing and David Sanders? Are they both interested in Notre Dame? So, uh, uh, Jordan, let me answer the second part first before we talk about the rankings. They are both interested in Notre Dame in to different degrees, right? Like, I think that David likes Notre Dame. It's just about, like, let's get him on campus. Let's start this process off. Owen is very interested in Notre Dame. He's about to go to Notre Dame for the second time. And, I mean, I've literally just had a article out on him where he said, Notre Dame will be in this until the end for sure. Direct quote, right? Like, Owen Streetbeak is very high on Notre Dame. For me, Brian, personally, watching these guys, David Sanders is a is a five-star player. Like, he's just a five-star stud. I would be surprised if he isn't a top five to ten player in the 2025 class when it's all said and done. Owen Streetbeak, for me, is more a – I think he's a top 50 caliber okay. football player who has five-star upside. That's okay. what I see. I still think he's exceptional, though. I really do. Yeah. I have him more in the top 100 right now. Uh, but you and I look at it a little bit differently. You you tend well, I, maybe I'm wrong, right? You tend to look at evaluating for where they are in their grade, correct? I still I, I used to be that way. I kind of look more at it. Okay, where would they be if they were in the present class, sure. which allows for guys to kind of to 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 go up. If I was doing a ranking of the 24 kids all in the same framework, I would not be shocked if he's in the top 50. Probably that would not be shocked. He's at least when I say top hundred, I view him more like 60, 75, like 60 to 75, 80 is where I'd see him. He's very good. David Sanders. I'll be shocked if he's not a top 10 player when it's all said. and done. (laughs) He's He's shocked, man. It's more, more debatable. Is he, is he top five or, you know, than, than anything else? He's very, very talented. For for a kid that is probably right now about six, seven and 260 pounds. He has some absurd core strength for a guy that's 260 pounds. Like it's it's insane, and he's surprisingly man. coordinated for a 15, 16 year old kid who had a yes. you know pretty big growth spurt. You usually see kids like that that they're kind of grown into their body and they're maybe he's a really talented athletic kid. Yes, he and he I mean likes Notre Dame. I just I don't know right. I mean, right now they're on the outside looking in for him. There's some uh, the southern sure. schools doing a better job. They need to try to get him on campus for a visit this this summer there's no doubt about that yeah but owen streaming is very high on notre dame so oh yeah they're in a good spot there oh really. yeah well and that's one where the past relationship that joe rudolph has had in that state is going to help him a ton on that one going to absolutely help him right. a ton this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. We have another question from Kirk D.A. Anderson Fitness. Why is it harder at certain positions to get the most elite players? For example, defensive line seems to be one, whereas running backs don't seem to be one. I would disagree with that premise, Ryan. I I think Notre Dame's running backs 
from a ranking standpoint, are basically right where they've been at defensive line. Their name's not getting any five-star running backs. I mean, they're getting borderline top 100 guys, uh, but not guys that are ranked super high in the rankings, in my opinion. I mean, I, I had Jadarian Price in the top 100. Nobody else did. I've got Kedron Young in the top 100. I think only on three. The same or, or outlet that has CJ Carr ranked barely in the top 200. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and so you say, well, you know, they got Jeremiah Love last year, but they've got some defensive linemen like that. Tyson Ford was a top 100 guy coming out of high school. You know, I mean, so uh, I don't know that I would necessarily accept that premise. I do yeah. think where I would say if you want to if you want to get more specific to a place where I could buy the argument, Ryan, is defensive tackle. And now Tyson Ford has moved there, but he was a defensive end coming out of high school. I think defensive end, and I think a lot of it, Ryan, has to do with Number one, Notre Dame has not has had. I mean, Jerry Tillery helped, but how many kids know who Jerry Tillery was at this point? In time? Right. Right. Notre Dame has not put a lot of defensive tackles in the NFL that these kids would know. They haven't had a lot of All American type players there, and that that's where the geography of where those top players comes tends to hurt them as well. And I think that's a that's a those two things right there. Those three things right there are huge stumbling blocks right now for Notre Dame. And there's some others that I really don't care to get into in a this type of setting, but I think those well, are the primary ones, Ryan, right there. Well, I would say this too, Brian, is that for some of the positions of like, because we're in an, we're in the NIL era now, where we're all throwing pay for play into the NIL bucket, which is still drives me crazy because it's not the same. Can we please stop quantifying the same? But the fact that it's so easy to now do the pay for play stuff, there are a lot of positions that I think are more sexy for a team to overpay for a player right like let's throw all our money into this wide receiver or let's throw all our money into this defensive end because they're important positions right they're important positions for where college football is now so i also think there's a and it's awful that we're talking economics to a bunch of 17 year olds but there's a supply to demand as far as like the nil side of things for like i'm going to overpay for this position, I'm going to overpay for this five star. I'm going to overpay for this X player. Like, I just think that the NIL era becoming blurred with pay for play has also made it tougher for Notre Dame in certain some positions because some positions are just so such a high demand. I mean, you talk about the defensive end pass rusher. Everybody needs those kids, right? Everybody needs it. So, you know what Who Oregon and some of these schools are going to be more likely to put the foot the bill for? Five star defensive ends. <laughs> like that's just that's gonna be the spot, you know. But you know, I would actually, and this is again why I separate end and tackle, because I think that there's more ends that you can go out there and get than there are interior guys. And I think you talk about supply and demand, that's where defensive tackle becomes that that type of thing, because the number of really big time defensive tackles in today's era, Ryan, is small. Yeah. There's a lot of receivers out there that can can go to college and def- and be guys. Right. There's not a lot of this is why Justin Scott to me is so important because there aren't a lot of guys like him, six, five, 310 pounds, athletic and all that. And there's definitely not guys like that, that Notre Dame has a chance to get. And that's what makes him so important. So I I think there's a ton of good running backs out there. Not all of them are top hundred guys, but we see it all the time. It is good backs. And those guys are so reliant on what happens in front of them. Yeah. Defensive line to me, there's not a plethora of defensive tackle. There's a lot of six three, six four athletic kids that can rush the quarterback in, in high school football. Some are ranked high, some aren't. 
defensive tackle is a little bit of a different animal. And I think that's something that also help factors into this as well on top of the other things. So it's, it's a very yeah. fair question, but you know what helps all that Ryan winning and starting <laughs> to put more guys in the NFL. So like when you get a Jason Onye, who maybe wasn't highly ranked, but you develop him. No, no one's going to care where he was ranked. If he's a day one, day two draft pick, right? No one's going to yeah. care, you know, where Riley Mills was ranked, ranked. If you can drink where he was ranked, if you can turn him into a day one day dude. And that's kind of the thing is, that then starts to have an impact on the ranked kids because they see, well, man, you you put these guys out there and they weren't necessarily highly ranked. And knowing if a Gabriel Rubio can develop into an NFL player. And I mean, that that's the that's the importance for their name right now is start putting some of these kids that you have that have ability into the NFL. Get the most out of Tyson Scott or Tyson Ford. Get the most out of him because he he does have NFL talent, in my opinion. You know, turn these, you know, Bubakars and and Armels and Vernons and all these young kids you're getting a linebacker, turn them into NFL players and go win with them. And then all of a sudden you'll have a better shot at winning with those guys. Yeah. Well, or I winning the, those, the recruitments for those guys. We're seeing the defensive line pipeline of Georgia being created, right, Brian? Who started it? Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis was a three-star recruit. He wasn't the right. highest-ranked guy. It wasn't like he was Jalen Carter coming out of high school. You know what I mean? Like right. It wasn't like he was a five-star. He right. was a three-star recruit. He still ended up at Georgia because he's very talented, obviously. Right. But – that no one, no one cares about the recruiting breakdown of where the pipeline started. No one cares right. about that. They care that it, it exists and it makes it easier to attract. Right. And I think you look at a guy like Trenton, you know, some it's Trenton Thompson, right? Yeah. Who who was at Georgia never quite panned out. Yeah. Good. Plan. And he was a guy that was a highly, very highly ranked guy coming yeah. out of college. So, you know, so it, it's it. I know we get all, we all get obsessed about rankings and all that. Look, here's the deal. Here's what we can all agree on. You need guys that play like five stars. That we can all agree on. We can absolutely all agree on that. But Trenton Thompson, Ryan, finished his career. He, he, you know, he, was a, he was a solid player for Georgia. I mean, he was. Yeah, he was a good, good player, player for them. Yeah. Where did he, did he Did he get drafted? I don't think so, actually. I think he went undrafted. Right? And so he was the number one player in the country. Yeah, coming out of high school, according to two four seven sports, it's number three player according to ESPN, number seven according to Rivals.com. All right, and he was part of the 2015 class, I believe. Right, he was a 2015 signee. Sounds good. Yeah. Notre Dame had a 2015 signee that was recruited as an offensive lineman, was not a top hundred guy, uh, that went out and at and ended up playing defensive tackle, and became a first round NFL draft pick. Okay. Highest he was ranked by anybody was 85th. ESPN him at 280, rival set him at 145. It's not always about the ranking, it's about what you become in college. And yeah. the only reason stars matter is the if is if you want to get into a percentage argument, right? It's about getting kids that have that kind of talent. And yeah. when you start winning, that allows you to go out there and have a better product to sell. And that's why this season, Ryan, for Notre Dame is gonna be so important. Yeah, because you get an argument. Well, you can't win unless you get those top players. Well, Clemson showed that you can balance some of those top guys with a lot of good evaluation type talented players, and and have a great team. And that's the model Notre Dame has to to to, to land. And then don't make the mistake of going out like Clemson did and start landing more top top ranked players that don't fit what you do and who you are as a program. I think that's something that's hurt Clemson and Dabo's getting back to what made them successful, which is good coaching and good recognition of it. So very, very good, very, very good questions here. Yep. All right. Here's one from uh Saints Irish fan. 
Uh, it's a good one. How does the energy from an official visit transfer to a committed recruit becoming a student and still feel appreciated and a focus for the coaches? Well, basically I, I saying once a kid gets to campus, how does how do you still make him feel appreciated and wanted? I, I mean, it's the everyday flow of everything, right? I mean, we see Marcus Freeman at, at every practice and game, right, Brian? He it walked to every single player and dab them up before, you know, while they're in their stretch lines, right? Like it's the little things, but also Saints for Irish. I think that it's about what did you, I don't want to say promise, but like you're talking to a recruit and you talk to them about this is how you're going to fit into this program. This is what we're going to provide. This is the structure of a day-to-day situation. You need to fulfill that, right? Like you need to fulfill that in order to make it feel like they haven't been lied to. I think that's the biggest thing is that a player wants to feel appreciated, but they also want you to hold your end of the bargain, right? Like they want to make sure that you do the little things. So I think for me, and this is why you have the assistant coaches you have, you need to be all on the same page, make your guys feel appreciated, make sure that everything that you talk to them about and not, I'm not talking about promises. I'm not talking about, you know, this and that, this, you know, the starting spot, all that type of stuff. I'm talking about, we want you a part of this because we think you could fr- thrive at Notre Dame. Well, yeah. help them thrive at Notre Dame. Right. Make sure they're doing the right stuff, right? Like that's the, that's the thing. You it's talk about promises there. too, Ryan. Don't make yeah. those. Don't make promises you can't keep. And the other thing too is is to, one thing that I think help, has helped Notre Dame uh, with retention is Notre Dame doesn't play the game of the wild stuff, like you know the wild parties and you know, doing all these things that you're like, this isn't really what student life is about. Notre Dame is very honest with kids. And I think that's something that you do too, is be, Hey, this is what it's going to be like for you when you get here. You know I mean? And, and I think that's a, that's why they, that's why one thing Notre Dame does a lot of making sure that kids get around other students on camp, student athletes on campus. Like, Hey, look, and they tell, and I've been told this before they tell kids, be honest, right? Like, yes. Yes, you want we want to put our first our best foot forward, but be honest with kids about the difficulties and the challenges because Notre Dame's thing is we want kids to know what they're walking into. Because if you create this pie in the sky, everything is awesome type of mentality, and then the kid gets there and it's like, this is nothing like I was promised. Guess what? Right. They're gonna be less happy unless they're playing right away. Yes. And so as long as you are very hey, look, we love you, we want you, you're our dude, like with Kingston Villiam Asa. You know what Notre Dame has never done with him? Dude, hey, we need you because our linebackers aren't very good. Right, right. Right? Lie to him. And they've been like, look, we got some dudes, but we think you can fit into this room and challenge and compete. And and he can. But he knows, hey, that Drake Bowen dude's a guy the coaching staff really likes. They love Jaden Osbury. They really like Persons in her. They think Nolan Ziegler and Jalen C. But they also have told me I'm going to get a chance to come in and compete, and the best guy is going to play. Well, when you're honest with kids like that, there's a much more likelihood, Ryan, that they're going to say, hey, you know what? Uh, this is what they told me it would be like. It would be hard my first year. Yep. And I think that's why it's important to to really be honest with kids. It doesn't mean you, you, know, you don't have to tell them everything. I mean, there's, there's always going to be experiences that are different for different players, but be very honest with kids. And I think that's something that, that, um, and, and here's the thing is, is give a crap about your players. <laughs> if you give a crap about your players and I'm talking about position coach standpoint, then you know what, that, 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 you're going to have those kids backs. And, and I've shared the story, like, one of the things that make Mike Mickens different from and why he shines and why he's not having kids leaving the program, even though they know they're not going to start, as I said this, I talked to a parent of a cornerback that knows he's not starting this year unless he gets, unless he, uh, somebody gets injured, right? 
not that he won't have a chance if he goes on battles, but he knows those guys in front of me are dudes. And I asked, you know, is he thinking about leaving? He's not even thinking about leaving at all. And he says, and I brought it up to my son about, you know, do you want to consider this? Because it's just being a parent. I mean, it's like, okay, where are you at? Where's your head at? Right. And that's where it was at. It wasn't like, I want him to leave. It was more of a, where's your head at? And this is what every parent should do after the season. Okay. Where's your head at? What are you thinking? What do we, you know? And, and he said, didn't even think twice about it. And the big reason why is he says, because coach Mickens still makes him feel like he's important. He still coaches him. He still, he still believes even if he's not starting, he's going to get developed by yeah. coach Mickens because he was last year when he wasn't playing. That matters, man. And then when recruits visit, that story gets, hey, look, man, even if you're not playing right away, Coach Mick is still going to have you. He's still going to love on you. He's still going to teach you. He's still going to work with you. Then you're going to have other coaches like, hey, man, this is rough because they ignored, they threw me down on scout. And this is something that hurt them a receiver. I've said this before in the past, before Coach Stuckey. Yeah. They would throw receivers down on a scout team and just ignore them the entire year until they needed to be called up. And they're like, man, you don't, you don't care about me. So, you know, you know, and, and that's what makes the best coaches, the best coaches. That's why part, part of why Harry, he was a guy that could, could coach as hard as he coached and not lose dudes and keep guys engaged. It's why Mike Mickens does what he does. And that's what the best coaches do. And that helps with this too, Ryan, in my opinion. And that's what Marcus Freeman was as a coach. And that's why when he makes hires, he needs to make sure he's, he's being that way. Dylan McCall is that way. That's why you don't see a bunch of dudes, you know, bailing on him, be, you know, that that he's recruiting because he's honest. And I, I still love the story, Ryan, that we told where we talked to one recruit who plays running back and he was kind of getting out of decision making mode. And they he knew the dad knew a, another recruit that was committed to Notre Dame. And so he then kind of I don't want to say set him up, but like he had some questions asked that he wanted to ask from the other kid of Dylan McCullough. And then he wanted the answers because then they were going to ask Dylan McCall the same question and see if he was being honest with them. And the same ex- the answer he gave the the other dad was the exact answer he gave this kid and his dad. Yeah. Not like he told me the same thing about my son that he told that guy about his son. It was more of a about both. Yeah. And the answer was consistent. And he said, "Okay, this is a guy that's shooting me straight because the answer he gave me isn't necessarily the best answer for that kid." And that's something that you can do when kids and parents believe that you genuinely care about them and you're honest with them, they will take hard coaching. They will take not playing for a year. They will take certain things, maybe not going their way because they say, yes, but I'm still going to get my shot. This guy still cares about me. He's still coaching me. I'm going to get my chance to shine. That's what's worked for Bama for a long time. So why don't, why doesn't Bama have just tons of kids leave every year? Cause they're brand depth chart because they know they're going to get their chance to shine. And they're going to get coached and developed, even if they're not playing. And that's something that's worked at Bama. And Notre Dame needs to be that way too. And they're getting there. Much it's I'm, it's much a better staff now in that regard, top to bottom, than it was in the past. In my opinion, there's still some work that's needed to be done, but uh, it it definitely it's it's better. It's getting better. Yeah. I, I think K Mac. I think I think K Mac said the word genuine in the chat. Yes, like that's that's the word, man. Yeah. Like you just have to be genuine with whatever you're doing. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a super chat down here from uh, Kyle P. What's up, Bryonosaurus Drex and Double R? I don't understand taking uh, Tabron Benny Powell at this point. Plenty of time left for 24, and they'll always have the portal. Let me say this, Ryan. Yep. The taking him now thing, to me, depends on 
are you going to say you're done? If they're going to take this kid now and say we're done at safety recruiting, that's a big mistake. And I'm just going to be honest. I a thousand percent, Ryan, hope that this kid proves me wrong. A thousand percent. Because I don't see a Notre Dame caliber player right now. And I know that his high school coach thinks that he is. And he may very well be. We'll find out as a senior. And let's see him play safety. But the film didn't impress me. I watched every rep he took at the camp this past week. It did not scream to me, Notre Dame player, moving the needle. It seemed to me like you're not confident that you're going to get a third safety and you need a third safety and you're panicking a little bit. Now, I hope yeah. I'm wrong. I hope the kid proves me wrong. He's a better player, but I I, I have to be honest. And yeah. I don't like being honest. I don't like saying it. I don't enjoy it. I'm all, I, I have no problem being honest, but I don't enjoy saying it because I don't want to tear a kid out. Like, what if his parents are watching? I mean, these guys are hating on my kid. I'm sorry. I've heard you've got a great kid. I, I heard your kid did what he needed to do to help his team last year. But this is what I see on film, and this is what I saw at camp, and I can't lie to people about that. Yeah. So I don't get it either. But as long as they're like, look, we got we we like this kid. Comes from a great program. He's a hard worker. He's a team oriented player. He can do a lot of different things, and and it gives us protection in case we don't get another guy. I can live with that, Ryan, because I'll say this. If they get Malcolm Ziegler and take Tabron Benny Powell, all of a sudden I kind of like his commitment a little bit more because now you can say, hey, let's maybe look at you as a nickel rover type of guy where I think you can hide the limitations that I think he has, which are range, like vertical range, speed. But you know what he can do? Short area quickness, and he can hit, man. He yeah, can yeah, thump. Yeah. My yeah. problem is I just don't think he can get to where he needs to get to as a safety to deliver the hit. You know what I mean? But now all of a sudden you're talking about like as a nickel rover, as a special teams guy, I'm okay. I'm more okay with it then because now he's yeah. a depth piece as opposed to a a, a guy that's going to fill up an important role. So that's kind of I'm, – I'm a little – to me, my if they get Tabron Benny Powell for me, Ryan, how I evaluate that is going to depend on what they do next at safety. That's going to be the key for me. I just hope I'm wrong if they do. I mean, it's the same same thing as Ben Minich last year, Brian. I'm like, I didn't hate Ben, but like I wasn't sold on Ben when he committed to Notre Dame. And then he had a great senior year, and I'm like, okay, they were right. But with Ben Ryan, he was still a much better player on film than Tabor on Pal. That's the difference. I'm just, I just hope that as a safety, there's that natural feel that we kind of hear is there and that he's a better athlete than we think. And yeah. Because I just I didn't see it personally, but it hey if they end up with him, I hope that he ends up being a fantastic player as a senior. Because I yeah. would love nothing more to sit here and be like, you know what, Tay Brown Benny Powell, much better football player than I originally yeah. gave him anticipated for. I enjoy I that, to be honest yeah. with you. I enjoy those stories and those moments. <laughs> We'll be right back.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.